Hi friends, this is Connie Alpers and I want to welcome you back to Equipped to Be, where I get to help you embrace and navigate the seasons of life so you can reach your personal family and parenting goals. We at Equipped to Be want you to understand how God has given you unique gifts, strengths, and talents so that you can live in all seasons with confidence and joy. Whether you're cooking dinner, holding laundry, or maybe just enjoying some time alone. I hope you enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. Hey everyone, welcome to Equipped to Be. I'm excited to be with you again today. Today we're going to talk about cultivating curiosity with a very close friend of mine, Cheryl Bastian. She is a mother of eight. She's got a a very vast homeschool experience. Uh, As you guys know, I homeschooled all of my children from the beginning till we turned the tassel took decades to complete, never knew I was going to go on this journey. And Cheryl, as a mother of eight, is still in the middle of homeschooling her children. She's graduated some. She's still in the midst of homeschooling. Her eight children range in age from five uh, to 31. So there's around 27 years of homeschooling involved there. And before that, she uh, she's an early education. That's kind of what her passion is. So she has a vast array of knowledge. Now, as you know, I often talk about the four pillars of learning, which is, you know, when we're when we're teaching our children, there has to be adventure and exploration and risk-taking and innovation. So today we're going to focus on just the curiosity, cultivating that curiosity with my friend, Cheryl Bastiano. She is a speaker and an author. Uh, she's a writer for a magazine. As we talk about just actually what it takes to cultivate. How do we specifically do that? I think you're going to want to take some notes on this one. We get we get as specific as we can on this particular topic, and that's what our plan is. Uh, we'll see as far as we can go in the time allotment that we have. But I appreciate you coming every week to check out Equip to Be. I appreciate the fact that you tell your friends, that you leave comments, that you message me, that you follow us over on social media. And that has uh, changed a lot over the last couple of years. And I'm just grateful that you follow the Equip to Be podcast, that you leave comments, that you tell your friends. And we appreciate that. We need that. We continue to need that as we reach to serve the your needs and help you in the seasons that you are going through of parenting and educating your children and just feeding your own soul, to be honest with you. There's more to life than just teaching our children. If we're, if you're parents of one or many, there's more to life than just being a wife. There is more to life than you know trying to get it all done. And I love to focus on those things because here at Equipped to Be, God has equipped you to be a doer of God's word, a doer of His word. He's equipped you to be wise and discerning. He's equipped you with strength and and power and bravery and courage. And I want to explore those in future episodes. So I think you're going to enjoy what we have planned coming for the summer months of Equipped to Be. So stick around, because I think you're going to enjoy this conversation with Cheryl Bastian. Hey, Cheryl, thank you for coming on the Equipped to Be podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Connie. It's been a joy. I've been really excited about being able to share with your listeners. We are a very different family in a sense that we have been parents for over 30 years, our children span 26 years. So yes, we have adult children working out in the workplace, but we also are very much in the training trenches um, with our youngest ones. But what I love about that is 
um, those littles, like they bring so much joy. They, they bring a perspective that we often lose in, in the daily mundane grind of the things that we need to do. So um, we love, Mike and I love the ability to kind of see life through those young eyes the simple things that matter to them. <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of like the thing. Uh, that's like your theme, isn't it? Uh, cultivate. Oh, I- I'll probably butcher this, so you can it's correct okay. me. But celebrate simple. Celebrate simple. Yes. Well, uh, and it's funny because I always giggle because I'm thinking nothing in my life is simple. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so, you know, when I hear you talk about, oh, let's celebrate the simple, I'm like, yes, that's a great idea. How novel is that? Um, <laughs> and I think it's ironic because it's coming from a mother of eight and how you just remind women, uh, moms, wives, that it's in the small things. It's in the insignificant, mundane things that we do, you know, those three meals and 17 snacks a day. <laughs> <laughs> um, the countless trying to keep up with those schedules that we create on Sunday and by Monday morning, we're already scratching through it all because, okay, well, this happened um, and how life just doesn't always go as we planned. And I, I, you know, I bet over the years, if you counted how many Sunday night schedules you created and how many Monday morning schedules you had to readjust, I, I would imagine you've homeschooled for, a, a, I mean, a long time because your oldest is what, 26 or 27? No, uh, 31. 30. Okay. <laughs> 31, I think. Okay. So- I always tell mom, my kids are like, mom, do you not remember how old I <laughs> So he's, he's over 30. <laughs> okay. So anyway, 30 something. It's funny because moms always ask, and I know the older we get, and not that we're old, but the older we get, the more people marvel at how we survived. How did you survive? Like there's, okay, well, sit down. I'm going to give you the secret sauce because there's three simple steps. And then, Mm -mm. you know, as you and I kind of just smile and nod and like, yeah, that's only on a blog post that's made to sell you a three simple step program because there aren't three simple steps. And there isn't a secret sauce except for maybe this one point. And that is every night you and I went to bed lamenting over what we said that we shouldn't have said or what we should have said that we didn't say or all the millions of things we didn't do. Oh man, I missed that time when they were playing with the caterpillar and I didn't explain to them the metamorphosis process or all of those things. And then you wake up the next morning and you show up. That's right. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the daily grind, right? That's something to be homeschooling, to have children in their 30s, all the way down to your youngest is an elementary school. Cheryl, how do you get up? How do you how do you do it? How do you remain steadfast? Wow, that's a, an amazing question. To be honest with you, it's it's day to day. Um, <laughs> Thank you for that honesty. <laughs> no, it's honestly like I the schedules, I, I learned this when I was teaching preschool. So you, I would set out these wonderful plans because of course, maybe it was, let's say transportation month. So I planned all these amazing things. I checked out these books about transportation and we were rolling about transportation, painting with wheels, whatever. And then Timmy brought in a snake skin because he was so excited about it. He had found it on the way. And mom said, yeah, bring it. You could bring it to preschool with you. And he'd take it. And all of a sudden, the whole day was about snake skins or snakes. And I had to go digging in the preschool library for books about snakes. And I had to come up with this stuff off the top of my head because snakes ruled the day, not transportation that I had just planned. So, um, yeah, I my days don't go 
many times as, as I planned. And honestly, it keeps me, Connie, realizing how little I am in control of, obviously, I'm not, I am in control as a parent, but you know what I'm saying? Like, there are going to, my children will fall and, and crack a, you know, crack a knee open when they're running in the park. Um, I'm going to get a phone call maybe from an adult child who says, hey, you got time to talk after, you know, work tonight. Sure. Of course they do. That was not in the plan, but I love it and I'm going to embrace it. Um, or, you know, I've got a, a high schooler's like, mom, I'm finally finished with that paper. Could you help me edit it? Of course, that wasn't necessarily my plan. So I've just realized that when I get up in the morning, I say, Lord, whatever it is that you set my feet to, let me be faithful in that and let me be present. Let me listen to my children attentively. Let me get down on their level. Let me take in the things that are important to them and and be um, in that moment with them and being able to cultivate a conversation with them. Help me to point their gifts out as we walk through the day. Those are the things that have become, yes, I have laundry to do. Um, Boy, do and to you be have with, laundry to do. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, and meals to cook, like that happens. But even last night I was cooking, you know, I, and I tend to do it. Here's the thing I do do. I try to be specific and, and intentional. That's another one of my buzzwords is intentional. I have to be intentional with the moments. So I had like four or five pounds of, of beef and I said, okay, what can I throw together for a couple meals? You know, like I made some porcupine meatballs. I put together some meatloaf. I fried up some beef. I, um, what else did I do? Um, I made some muffins in the process because again, it's also paying attention to diets that kids need to be, um, because we have some diet issues at our house that we have to be following. So I've just kind of cultivated all this food and my, my daughter comes and she says, mom, I'd be glad to help you. And I'm like, awesome. Come jump in. And then we had conversation that we were able to talk about just our day and maybe her softball game or maybe the math problem that she was struggling with while we were making food. Um, and then I said, Hey, follow me out to the laundry. I've got, there's a, a load that's in the dryer. Let's fold that together while we continue the conversation. So I've pretty much just realized that my plans in my day are not going to go the way I, that I thought. And if I let go of those and just kind of go with what's happening in front of me, it works out much better. Um, and, and yes, then I still realize, you know, kids have to get schooled and they do, or the laundry has to get done and it does, but somehow it just kind of this beautiful unfolding versus this, okay, wait a minute. I was supposed to do laundry from nine to 10 and I was supposed to make lunch at noon because <laughs> then I just become stressed out because it's just like Timmy bringing in that snake skin. It just would throw me off. So I realized that I just want to keep my hands open and look at every single thing that happens in the, in the day, whether that's a trial or a triumph. Um, there's a possibility with that. Um, there's possibilities even amongst our challenges, whether that's in our conversations with our kids and helping them to solve problems. You know, when they come to us and say, mom, could you help me try to figure this out? Of course I can. And then it helps them process that question. But it also, in a sense, if we really step back, helps us in the process too. Our family is a learning family. We're in this together. I love that. Uh, that is that is absolutely true. And I want to come back to a couple of things that you said. One, I know that many moms are listening and they're going, her her daughter actually walked in the kitchen and asked <laughs> if she could help. I can't even get them to answer when I say good morning. 
How did she possibly get that child to just willingly, what did she want? Was she bribing her mom? What was the, you know, what was the daughter's motive? All right, let's, uh, that is, that is a topic that I get quite a bit and I'm sure you do too. Mm. Uh, how, how, I would say for, for most of the time, our kids, you know, they want to help and stuff. Sometimes they go through seasons where not so much and they would rather sit and watch you do it. But how did you, uh, and maybe a couple specific things that you did, Cheryl, that makes your daughter want to come in and say, hey, let me help. Does she just want extra snacks? Does she want keys to the car? (laughs) What is it that she wants? Well, I think that that's, first of all, asking to help doesn't necessarily, like we don't, we all do chores in our home. We don't, we don't really, I guess you could say we call them chores. Sometimes we just call them acts of service because it's just something we do that has, like the dishwasher has to get done. (laughs) And we've had to come up with different ways to be able to get our, you know, for all of us to work together. It's not really we don't see it as getting our kids to do something. It's more like when you come around your kids and they know that you want the best for them and that you are listening and you're in, you don't have a motive. Like my child, my, my daughter knew that I didn't have a motive to her helping. She knew that if she came to me and helped with dinner, we would have a conversation we would just enjoy being together. It was something we wanted to do together, if that makes sense, versus something of, oh, okay, if I do this, I get that. Right. Um, and so, yeah, she had, she wanted one-on-one time, likely, because she saw me working. She likes to cook, that particular one. Now, not all of my kids are going to ask to come alongside of me. I've had a couple in the in the years that we've parented who particularly like to cook. She does. So she came alongside and, and of course I welcomed that. Now I had to realize, cause I've learned this as a parent, if I'm like, no, okay, wait, put the flower. Oh, don't get the flower on the floor. <gasps> don't drop the egg. You know, where I'm like hyper, then that's not going to be a fun experience. Like that wouldn't be a fun experience if I was like helping Mike paint and he was saying, don't put, don't be, you know, don't get on the shutters, whatever. So she's, I, I, I had to realize that when my children come to me and offer, I have to take that offer at whatever ability and, and age and stage they're at. And if that means there's going to be flour on the floor, or maybe that means that there might be an egg that gets dropped or something like that, that's just part of it. Um, and so the, it's not, it's, it's an easy thing for them to come alongside, not a, oh gosh, I'm going to get in trouble for that, or I'm not going to do it right. You know, I just did, I took it for face value, whether it was, if we got extra sugar, we had extra sugar. If we put too much rice in the porcupine meatballs, just so we have extra rice, you know, um, we just, I try to find ways to encourage my kids that we can come alongside each, each other. Like it's when they're working on a, maybe they're trying to fix their bike. I will go alongside them and I'll say, Hey, is there anything I can do with? Like, you know, do you need a drink of water? Um, you know, is there, did you find any challenges? Like, how can I help you with that? Like, I always look for ways I can come alongside. And so therefore it's this, it's this reciprocity. Like we all realize we're going to come alongside and help each other. And I think to some degree, you know, your kids realize, okay, if I help mom, we don't ask for anything. And it's not like you'd help me for this so you can get a snack. It's more of, they realize, okay, if I help mom with this job, it's going to get done quicker and we can go to the park faster. (laughs) But it's not said that, that it's just, they know that there are certain things that have to happen in family life and they come alongside of that because they realize in the end, they're going to benefit. Right. Right. That's not a negative ulterior motive. It is a 
kids are smart if they figure out, you know what, if we do get, if we do get all this laundry done and we do get our beds made and we do vacuum or whatever it is we need to do to get done and we get our math done or whatever it is, guess what? Yep. There is playtime. There's a reward at the end. And that becomes a motivating factor, especially yep. for some children. It may mean I get to go read all by myself, whatever I, right. you know, whatever chapter book I'm reading, or it means I get to go tinker around with whatever project I want to do, or I get to go play outside with some of the neighbor kids. Um, that's not a bad thing. So no. it can be. It's really if life, you're, Connie. If you're, it's life, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like us. I, if I get my laundry done, then I can go read my book. It's really, our children are not any different than us as far as facing life and the things that need to have time management. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So it, it makes me think of this next question. Uh, I heard you mentioned uh, when we were talking a few minutes ago about kind of like knowing what, you know, in order to create lifelong learners, it's fueling the interest that they have. Now, there's a difference between interest-based learning and, you know, we're not going into all the different learning styles and stuff, but there is something about being, uh, I wrote this down, uh, being intentional and paying attention, which I, I know that most parents that have homeschooled for a while, they kind of figured this out. If I just start paying attention, I can be oblivious, but if I pay attention, uh, mm -hmm. I can make this whole day go a lot better and I can actually have them want to do school without all the fussing and fighting. So I, I just kind of want to ask you about what do you do to help you figure out your kids' interests or, or passions or, you know, what, what do you do? What are some of the, the practical things that you do in your family? That's a great question. And I, and I, as I pondered this, because I've had to ponder this in my own, you know, my own life to come to the conclusions we've come to, I've realized that I need to be a student of my children. It's not any different than being a student of Mike or being a student of a friend. Like, what does it mean to really get to know about another person? And my children are other people that are in my life. So I'm going to be a student of that. What does that mean? That means listening to them, taking time to get down on their level, to be able to sit with them. Um, not, And I, I try so much to just put my phone away, you know, so I can really sit and listen attentively. I can look into their eyes and really be cued in because that says you're interested in me. That says, wow, you didn't just ask me to like check off a box. You asked me because you were truly interested and then listen to what they say, not what you hope they would say or not what you want them to say, but what they say. Um, and so that could be, mom, I was thinking the other day, I would really love to go get a new set of art, art pencils. Now, I could have a predisposed idea about which pencils they should be or what store I want to go to or what coupon I want to use. But if I'm really listening and say, wow, really, I, I know nothing about art pencils. Do you have a brand that you were looking for? Like, had you researched this? Like, how did you come to that idea? Like, the more I ask questions, the more I invite relationships. Questions are always going to foster a relationship, whether that's our children or other people. Um, so listen and ask questions and get on their level and look at them in the eye and pay attention. And the other thing is observe, because some of our kids are just not going to be talkers. They're maybe more introverted. Maybe they're just like they're watching. They're observers of life themselves. And so if you observe them <laughs> and see what they're doing, what are they working with? What gets them excited? What do they have questions about? Like, did I hear them talking or have a question or ask it of somebody else? Maybe they asked a friend a question or maybe they asked my friend a question. Maybe they asked their Sunday school teacher a question. Just 
observe what they're interested in and what they're asking questions about, and maybe it's something they want to practice. So it could be that maybe they're out, I've got softball players right now. So maybe let's say they're out and they're really wanting to be a better catcher. But you notice that during the game, they're kind of fidgeting with their, I think they call them knee, knee, knee supporters or something. They, they save their knees. <laughs> knee savers. I think that's what it is. And so maybe they're f- fidgeting with that. And maybe the strap's not quite right. And you're watching. And then after the game, say, you know, I noticed your knee saver was bothering you. Like, is the strap worn out? Like, does it not place right? Do we need to look for new knee savers? Just being an observer helps you to see okay, this is something maybe they're struggling with, something they're interested in learning from there. And then once you see what kinds of things from listening to them and observing, maybe listening to them, talk to other people, it gives me clues to what it is they might be interested in. But it also might be, as we're at the park, maybe it's a a spare of the moment thing that that came up that you never knew. So let's say we're at the park and we're running through the whatever and we find a, a nest. And it has fallen out of the tree. And not only has it fallen out of the tree, but inside the nest is a broken eggshell. And your kids, of course, have got that natural like, oh, my goodness, look what we found. This is a nest. Wonder what kind of bird left this nest. Look at it. It's a funny shape. Wonder, oh, the blue, the egg is blue. And they've got all of these questions. And the motivation at that moment is absolutely at the zenith of its potential because their interest is heightened. So I, at that time, I've got a couple of choices. One, I got a phone now, probably. All of us, we walk around with phones. It's a miniature computer. So you can, you can find out anything you want um, as far as like what type of nest it would be, what kind of eggs are blue. But then you could say, you know what, guys? We've got some bird books at home. Let's gather those bird books when we get home and see what else that we can learn about this bird. Or maybe that bird, you know, where did we find the nest? Was it near a pond? Because that, that would mean maybe it was a, a bird that would have long legs or a bird with a long beak because it had to fish in the water. Or, you know, there's clues that you can learn. And in those interests, as your kids dig into those interests and they learn about, let's in this particular case, a bird, um, and maybe how that bird survived, they're actually learning how to study and how to think and how to ask questions. And we want problem solvers in our family. We want kids that are going to be able to be observers and look or take an interest and dig as deep as they can. Um, because curiosity continues to, to fuel motivation and motivation fuels retention and further learning. Therefore, it's like this cycle that just continues through life. Um, and that's one of the reasons, too, I like having young children, because it causes me to be an observer. It keeps my observation skills of what's going on around me, what I find, what I see, people, my kids. It keeps my observation skills, you know, kind of heightened because we're always, they're always finding things they want to study. And I'm finding things I want to learn, too. I'm just pondering what you said. I was taking notes. I was taking notes as you were talking, and it reminded me when you said curiosity. I I often speak about uh, curiosity, and as a, one of the pillars of learning and education. And you've written a book. It's more of a unit study book. It's something that is near and dear to your heart. It's something you've lived out. It's something you have learned and practice uh, over all of these years. Tell us a little bit more about this. Uh, Curiosity Unit Studies book that uh, you have recently uh, written. So Cultivating Curiosity, Connie, is kind of a conglomeration of what I learned in the classroom, uh, what I 
kind of learned as I studied curiosity, what I've seen in my own children, what I've seen in others' children, because Mike and I do homeschool evaluations in our state. So we and and we've been in leadership positions and for decades. So if we have mixed, you know, come across, worked with families, hundreds and hundreds of families. So it's a, a process of seeing what motivates kids and when their eyes sparkle, like when we're doing a homeschool evaluation and those eyes sparkle, you know, you've hit something and that's what curiosity is. And honestly, I've read studies. I've, I've really studied curiosity because it's interesting to me that as a four-year-old, you, well, actually even younger than that, when your kids can ask questions of you, they come to you and they say, mommy, why is this? Mommy, how is this? Mommy, what is this? <laughs> it's questions, 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 questions. And, and then it dies off if you've noticed that. And so I've studied that. And there are lots of studies about curiosity. I would encourage your listeners to go look at. It dwindles like almost down to the single digits in percentage of curiosity by the time they get out of high school, which is really sad to me. Um, and yet I've seen other kids as we've done interacted with our homeschool families that even into high school are just you, they come to the table and they're just like, you're like, you're on, you're hanging on for the ride. Um, even my own children, because they're still so curious. I'm like, why is it that these kids are still so curious? Um, and so I believe that you can do curiosity is one of those things you can foster really in any mode of education. It doesn't have to be unit studies for us in particular. In our own family, as and as well as working with other families, we found it works nicely with unit studies. And unit studies really is a word that means a collective study. Like you're going to just study grasshoppers. And whether that's you're looking at measuring how long the grasshoppers, you know, what his jump stride is, or you're measuring um, how long his wingspan is, because they're a different type of grasshoppers. You're comparing sizes of grasshoppers. That's all math. And then maybe you're studying the body parts, that's science, maybe how grasshoppers or crickets have influenced history. Like unit studies is just a compilation of all the core subjects in one. It's, it, it's, it's seamless. And so unit studies is just a word, but honestly, it's just life. Like you find something and you dig into it. And it's not any different than crocheting. If you were an adult and you decided, I'm going to learn crocheting, you're obviously not going to do a unit study on crocheting. But maybe if you really want to call it that it is, because what do you do? You research the cost of the yarn and you find some um, little patterns you want to make and you learn it and you go maybe find a mentor and you learn how to crochet from somebody who an expert. So it's really not any different. It's just a life pattern of learning. It's taking whatever it is that you're learning at that time or interested in that time and digging into the zenith of its potential. Whether that's preschool, of course, like my little friend, Timmy, who came to preschool with the snakeskin, and we just dug into it for the next couple hours with all the resources I could find and any questions they had. Or at the high school level, when let's say you have a um, a high schooler who wants to learn calligraphy on their own. Maybe they're destined to be a, a creative of some kind of interior design, some kind of artist, and they want to learn calligraphy. And so there's different types of calligraphy and there's different types of pen and different types of ink and different types of fonts. And then they create fonts and then they're making greeting cards and then they're doing, you know, it just, it just kind of grows as it, as it is, as it, as the questions come up and as the interest develops and as the, knowledge base develops there's just that and that becomes elective in high school mm -hmm. in calligraphy um I, I i i love the whole point of of curiosity because i know when i want to know how to make 
yummy brownies. Boy, I'll just <laughs> dive straight in and I'm going to re- yeah. I'm going to research everything. Like what are the best recipes on what makes a good chocolate brownie? So, I know that's kind of a simplistic version, but really it's we do that all the time. We kind of get onto something and we we study it and study it until okay, we know enough that makes us happy and we move on to the next thing. So, you know, Cheryl, I appreciate you joining us today for uh, our podcast on At Equip to Be. And I would love if you would just take a second. And I know people can find you at your website. And if you want to just tell us where, what your website and tell us, you know, where if you're on social media. And I want you all to know, like always, I'm going to have Cheryl's, uh, all the links to where she, you can find Cheryl uh, in the show notes. But Cheryl, where can we find you? Uh, CherylBastion.com is probably the, the best, easiest place to find me. Oh, perfect. Um, yep, CherylBastion.com. It's the Celebrate Simple website. There's a blog there. There's resources. All of my resources there. My new book will be there once I've, I've got it in hand. My new book is available actually on Amazon right now, uh, Cultivating Curiosity, a how-to guide for creating unit studies children love, as well as my other two high school resources that I have, Celebrate High School, Finishing with Excellence is also available on Amazon as well as on my site. And More Than Credit is also available on Amazon and also on my site. I am on Facebook. We have a a Facebook page specifically for families who are walking the high school journey. Um, And then there's Celebrate Simple. It's on Facebook as well. Awesome. Awesome. Cheryl, thank you for taking the time to join us today and uh, sharing uh, with our parents how they can make an impact in their children's life and and really help them to become who God has made them to be. So friends, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And I think this is going to wrap up our series uh, right now, because I'm going to be making a turn here as we enter this summer season and, and talk about some some things that God has really placed on my heart. So uh, I encourage you to go over to ConnieAlberts.com, and that's where you'll find the, the blog and the podcast, and you can gain more information. And I'll have the show notes from our conversation today with Cheryl Bastian. So make sure you check her out. And you just remember, God has equipped you for the calling before you because he has equipped you to be a doer of his word. And whatever he's called you to do, uh, he will equip you, not for your glory, but for his. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.